morning. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Cynthia, and I serve on the staff here at Church on the Rock. This is an honor. I feel like it's an honor and a privilege to have this opportunity to stand before you. I do not take it lightly. Um, since we're in the vein of announcements, just so you know, and giving you ample time to fill this out, this is our connection card. And you should have received one when you came in. If you did not, the ushers will be willing to pass you out one. But we have prayer requests on here. And if you give your life to Christ or recommit your life to Christ, doing worship, a powerful worship set like that, that was a chance that you could give your life to Christ right then. But by the end of the day, hopefully you could be able to check this box. Also, we thank this church for being such a kind and giving church. You all give so generously. And we have ways to give that would be up on the screen behind me. Most people give on the, uh, online, but we also have giving boxes in the back of each door, green boxes that you can slip your money in to give if you would like. If you're a first-time guest, it's no pressure to give. Let this service be a gift to you. Um, I would just like to say what Aaron said earlier, um, happy Thanksgiving, late Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope you had a great time. Some good food, ate too much. <laughs> I ate too much. I had some good fried turkey, and um, it was so good to see family and friends. Um, I thank God for our lead pastor, Pastor Josh, and his absence. Um, you could give it up for him, Pastor Josh. And Pastor Audrey, she's in the building somewhere. Uh, up, he's upstairs. But thank God for him and our staff here at the church. Um, I'm going to dive right into um, our, uh, my message today. Um, I feel like God had somebody on my heart. I, it could be just one of you here, and this is for you. But uh, during this season, we know we celebrate uh, a season of Thanksgiving, and Christmas is coming up. And I believe it was Aaron that said it uh, during worship, that so many times we, we celebrate and we celebrate and we celebrate Jesus right out the picture. Um, because we have Christmas, and normally, if you like me, I love Christmas. I'm like a little kid. I don't want to know what I have. I want to, like, be surprised. I want, I want the gifts under the tree wrapped, not no bag. I want it wrapped in, in, in a gift paper so I could rip it open like a kid. When I first got with my husband, he used to, like, he'd go to JCPenney's, and he'd bring it in the JCPenney's bag. And I was like, take it to my mama and let her wrap it. I want it wrapped. <laughs> so now he done, he done grew up, and he knows now. So... <laughs> He, I love Christmas, but so many times we get into those particulars about the gifts, getting the kids stuff, and all of these other things, and we get out of the point of Jesus Christ. That day is actually his birthday that we celebrate, and, and I know for me, if it was my birthday and somebody else was celebrating somebody else for my birthday, I'm going to have a problem with that. But we celebrate everybody but him, yeah, and it is some people that do give him a moment of your time. But I was listening in worship today, and God just gave me this and when they practiced this morning. And, and God was like, sometimes we organize, we'll organize our life around God. Some people do, but most people organize God in what they got to do. They prioritize him in their schedules. Like, it's not God first, and we should be organized what God wants us to do, like around him. But most of the time, we organize him around what we got to do. I got to go to work. I got to take the kids to dance. I got to take the kids to karate. I got to go hang out with my friends for the weekend. I got to go shopping. I got to go do all of this. And I'm going to squeeze God in early in the morning for 30 minutes. 
and it's 24 hours in a day. Y'all, I'm guilty of this, so he was checking me. It's, anytime I stand up on this platform, I want you to know that it's a self-check for myself. He's checked me, and then he released me to give it to you. But <laughs> my message today is, how could you? That's the title of my message, how could you? Now, I'm going I'm to let you understand what that is. I was uh, one day sitting, and I was thinking about how much I love God. And, yeah, I'm so deep, you know, like, I was thinking about how much I love God and how much I love Jesus. And then God put on my mind my husband, and I was thinking about how much I love him. And I start feeling, like, bad because I, I start feeling like, I, okay, I kind of love my husband sometimes a little bit more than I love God. And, and the reason I say this, it was a self-awareness to me because I put my trust and my hope in my husband a lot more than I do God at times. Like, he's the, he's the provider in my house. So he provides. So his money provides for everything that we do. And I tend to, like, if he, like, I got a short week this month, this, month, this week, I will almost freak out. And my husband is always like, we got it. We got it. But I will almost, like, freak out and forget about God. Like, forget about that he's made a way for me. He got me. He has great plans for me. All of these great scriptures. And God was, like, talking to me in the midst of my thinking about this. And I was like, like I'm giving more credit and more him more authority over my life than Jesus Christ himself. The man that, like, sacrificed his life for me on the cross. And God gave me... Uh, you know, of course, we grew up on this scripture, uh, John 3 and 16. Uh, the message version, though, sounds so profound. So I, I put this version up. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. And, and I thought about Aaron didn't even know what my scripture is or nothing, but Aaron said that up here this morning about God giving up, and he don't want nobody to be destroyed. He want all of us to have everlasting life. All of us. And then in the midst of my thinking, God gave me Exodus 34 and 14, and this just really hit me. It says, you must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture, it hit me. Like, he is jealous for me. And I found myself thinking, like, in, in the terms of a relationship, if you know anything about the Bible, the Bible is set up like a marriage. The church is his groom, his bride, that he's coming back to get without no spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And when I thought about that, I was like, God, I've been cheating on you. So my, in my mind, that's where my title comes from. Because I don't know, I've never been in a situation, but if my husband was ever cheating on me, I'd be like, how could you? It made sense to me. <laughs> so... I felt God was, in my terms, I'm like, God is probably thinking, you know, so many times to myself, like, how could you, Cynthia? How could I? Like, how could you? Like, I know we all been there or may be there. Christians, unbelievers, confused, whatever you are, you've been there that you 
been doing things that you put before Jesus Christ, before God. And I looked up the word jealousy. You know, these days we have so many terms in the language that has been just sin that took over. And it's like, uh, it, it's words out there that was not profane, profane language, but throughout the centuries they became stuff that you're not supposed to say anymore. But we have so many terms that, like, if you know anything about jealousy, normally it's somebody crazy. And they got too, you know, like, they too crazy about you or whatever. But the word jealous simply means in, in this Bible scripture, it's uh, zealous, as in caring passionately. And when I heard, read that, I was like, he cares passionately about us. Individually. He cares passionately about you. Y'all real dead today, because when worship was going on, you know, I'm going to say this, because I was going to hold off, and I was like, nah, they're going to puff up. But when worship was going on, Aaron was doing his thing up here, and y'all was not giving him enough. Y'all got to get in it, because God cares passionately. Anybody know what passion means or feels like? We in the church now. We in the church. <laughs> we are in the church, but Passion, it's some action behind passion. It's, some, it's something going on with passion. And he cares passionately about us. That, that did something to me. And I was like, God, I have to do better. One of the first references to God's jealousy comes from Exodus 25 through 6. It says, you should not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am jealous, God. Who will not tolerate your affection for any other God? He said he would not tolerate our affection for any other God. And, and I just want to break it down to you that uh, it's not that I made my husband a God, but it's things that becomes God's that we put ahead of Jesus Christ. Don't hear what I'm not saying because I want to love my husband. I want to give him all the attention he deserves, and I want him to do the same for me. But does he become, do, do he become uh, more than what God is, and do I put him before the things of Christ? No, he should not be in that order. And whatever that might be for you, sometimes we put our kids before things of God. Sometimes we put our friendships before things of God. Sometimes we put our work before God. Sometimes we put uh, athletic of, uh, things, dance, whatever you in, whatever age group you in before God, whatever that is, you can make it a God. And that's the scary place to be. This uh, revelation of God's jealousy comes from uh, at Mount Sinai where God makes a covenant with the children of Israel whom he has redeemed from uh, Egypt. That's where, where he was telling them, he will not tolerate your affection for any other God. Then we have 1 John, because I know so many people in church these days, you read out of the Old Testament and they be like, well, see, that was before Christ. That, I don't really know about that. But 1 John 4, 9 through 10 in the New Testament says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So not only does God love us so much, but he sent his child 
And, and I know any of y'all, you would not give up your kid to go on across the die for people that you do not know. Like, I, I don't know, I'm not trying to sacrifice Jade for somebody that I don't know. Even if I do know you, like, I, I still don't know how far I can go. Sandy, I love you, but I don't think I'm giving up Jade for you. Like, so you think about God and his only son, he sent down here to die for the sins of people that Jesus at the time, he just did it for us. He did it for us in 2022. And this was centuries ago. God sent his only son. I think the world, when God gave me this, I was like, I think so many people are not connected to Christ, not strong in their belief, confused about their belief because they don't understand the love that Jesus has for them. They don't understand the love that God has for them. So many times we tell you about loving each other, loving your neighbor like yourself, loving yourself, but we don't tell you about how jealous God is for his love for you. And I think if we can mentally get that in our heads to know that this man loves us, he is jealous for us. It's a song that says that he is jealous for me. Like, love's like a hurricane, stings like a bee. I think I got the lyrics right. It's so, that made sense to me when I just said it. It might not be. But it, he is jealous for us. That's the, and I think we don't think like that, and we think that a human person can love us more than God. And my husband, for him to fall in love with me and for me to fall in love with him, I had to do some things to earn that. He had to do some things to, for him to earn my love. God's love is unconditional. You have to do nothing. He loves you just as you are. Like, and I think if you get that as a child and young, and if you could transform and renew your mind daily to understand that, that he is jealous for me. He loves me. Because God is jealous and he's a jealous God, he shows it in how much he loves us. God's love is visible. His love is visible. God's love was revealed Invisible love is no love at all. When I love my husband, I could just tell him that all day. But I have to show it throughout the years for us to stay married as long as we have 13 years, 14 will be January. We have to do stuff. Thank you, thank you. That love, I could tell people I love them all day, but if it's no action behind that, it's a problem. Jesus got on a cross and literally put action behind what he was doing to let us know, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I will give up my life. Second, love is an act of will. God sent his son, which means to love someone requires a decision to act on his behalf. God made a decision to love us. He put action behind it. You know, and, and I, I love our church. I think our church is one of the best churches. And we always, I, I, I have never told so many people I love them more than I have at this church. We say that all the time. I love you. I love you. Have a good day. I love you. And, and, and sometimes it's just like a, 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 just a phrase you say. But God put action behind his love. Love, thirdly, third, love is sacrificial. It cost God his one and only son. He saw our deepest need and gave of himself. If you say you love without also embracing inconvenience and being willing to give up your rights, you don't understand God's love. Even in a marriage, 
you can love somebody in a marriage, but it's some stuff going to have to go on, and you're going to have to embrace some difficulties. And it wasn't nothing great about God getting on that cross. That wasn't like his highlight. He was trying to get out of it. He started thinking about it. Do they really deserve this? God, can you do it another way? But he did it for us. It's sacrificial. It takes sacrifice to love. It's hard sometimes. Fourth, love serves the unlovable. This is one of the hardest ones. It serves the unlovable. I know, don't look at them if they right by you, but like, I know it's some people, you know, it's hard to love. It's like, yeah, don't look at them. Don't, don't look at them. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us. We will have people in our life that will love and they won't respond with kindness. And I know my mom always taught me to love the devil out of people. She was like, just love them until, you know, that's hard. Especially when I be wanting to, like, throw them a hand and not a high five. But, like, <laughs> like I'm like, God, God, you know, God, it has Jesus. That is hard. But God did it for us. He loved me in the midst of my mess. He loved me when nobody else loved me. He loves you in the midst of whatever you got going on. You're never too far off. And I think so many times we think, well, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I said. You don't know how I acted up. You don't know what they think. You don't know what they see me do. God loves you. And until you look at it with different eyes, spiritually, you can see the love that Christ has for you. You have to transform your thinking, transform your mental thoughts, and, like, constantly repeat that to yourself. In Christianity, we have this statement called agape. And agape is the highest form of love, charity, and the love that God has for man and the, and the love that man has for God. It's the highest form of love. God had an agape love for Israel, his people. Those are his special people. But God also has a special love for believers as Christians. God loves believers. This is Jesus speaking in John 16 and 27. It says, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. So if you're a believer in Christ, just because you love his son, God loves you. It's nothing you got to do. It's nothing that's required. You don't have to buy him a bunch of gifts. You don't have to, you know, do all of this stuff. But he loves you just for being a believer. God loves the world, unbelievers. John 3, 16 again, for, God, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it says, for God so loved the world. That's everybody, unbelievers, believers, anybody, everybody, God loves you. He gave his son before he, you even received him. He loves you. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We have to grasp the fact that Jesus loves us more than a human being can love us. 
Because I think so many times we searching for love in all the wrong places. We will sin and mess up trying to find love from fleshly people that can change, that can drop you, that can say, I don't love you anymore. But Jesus never falls out of love with you. And I think that's the most important thing that we're remembering, that Jesus would never fall out of love with you. And the next one, which I think is one of the most important, is God loves you to make it more personable. Because so many times we think he loves the masses, but you, you exclude yourself out of the love. But he loves you, Jonathan, Rebecca, all of y'all. He loves you individually. Job 10 and 10 says, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh, and you knit my bones and sewings together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. And I think that is the most important. Before he even, you turned into who you are now and all of the stuff you did, in your mother's womb, he was already in love with you. He was already crazy about you. If we can grasp the fact that Jesus loves us and he is jealous about every decision that you make, every action that you do, every time you put something else before him, every time that you choose wrong instead of right, he is jealous about it. You think about that wife or your kids that might be like, I'm the favorite, I'm the favorite, I'm, everybody want to be the favorite. You think about those situations, how my husband would feel if I'm spending more time with Adam than I am with Quentin. That would be a problem. I know you like, no, it won't never happen. That would be a problem. Quentin would be jealous over that. Like, it would be a problem. And that's how you have to look at it with God. It's like, am I making God jealous? Who truly has my heart? Who truly has my everything? I'll, do I go to him first before I turn to other people or uh, other things? I love this scripture, and everybody, I'm sure, done almost heard this scripture where Paul explains what godly love is. And that's 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. You can have the best marriage in the world and your love does not meet all of these except the love from Christ, except the love from God. And until we can like actually mentally understand that and believe that, I think things would change. Your, your ideas about Christ would change. You would want to grow closer to Christ because you know that's all you need. I don't have to search over here because I got God right here. I don't have to look over here because I know I got God right here. You need no one else but him. We do need each other, y'all, because, you know, I'm a life group person. But when you figure out what you need first and prioritize, that's what all that matters. 
that I'm not putting my marriage, my kids, my anything over Christ. We are confused sometimes over human love, so we think his love is abusive, unstable, conditional, and that it has limits. And it's not lasting or either it's a scam because we compare it to human love. But he's above all of that. It's this um, old song, like when I was a little kid, and I'm sure it's probably before I was even born, that was so basic, but God had it playing in my ear when I was preparing for this message. And they was preparing, when I thought about it, my Sunday school teachers was preparing me for life. And I've just been singing it for months now, trying to really drill it in my head. And it's just as simple as, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. teachers taught me over and over again that yes he loves me because the Bible tells me so not nobody I don't have to go searching for all the wrong loves that I found in my life I wouldn't be confused about what love looks like because we're confused at times what love looks like because we're not going by the Bible our kids are confused what it looks like because they see social media, they see all of this stuff, you buy all of this, they love you, they hit you across the head, they really love you because they're passionate about you. The words are all screwed up, but that's not the love that God intended. So I, I have this thing in my marriage that we do every year when our anniversary comes. We do a self-check and we ask each other the hard questions like, what can I do better this year? What did I do wrong this year? And how do I need to change? And what things do you like or what things get on your nerves? We actually ask these questions every year. And I think it started our first year of marriage. And it helps so much because we can actually like be honest like, you know what? And I know he can't fix his snoring, but. <laughs> but. It's just things that we can talk about to be like, try to get better because I want our love to grow deeper. And I, when I was thinking about that, I'm like, I have to have those self-check talks with God. God, what do I need to do? God, show me what I need to do. God created me a clean heart so I can get closer to you because he loves me. He loves you, Rob. 
He loves you, Anna. Like, he loves you. Like you. It can be only you in this world, and he loves you. And I think if we drill it to be like, yes, Jesus loves me. These new songs are great, and I love them, and I, I'm a Maverick City person. But, like, this simple. Yes, Jesus loves me. So, church family, you know how we do. This is a, a point where I really, I really want you to just close your eyes right now. Everybody, just close your eyes. about today and I thought about in this service the prodigal son and how he wanted everything right then and there so he could go have fun and do everything he wanted to do but God in this story is basically God telling us that I'm still right there when the prodigal son came to his senses he wanted to go back home and I think so many times we could still be Christians and be far away from Christ, far away from our relationship, and not understand that he's standing right there wanting us to come, wanting us to run to him. He's standing there with his arms wide open, with your eyes closed. Just think about it. Think about your relationship, your personal relationship with God right now and how it stands, how is it, how do you have him prioritizing your life? Think about who do you run to first? Who do you give your time to first? Who do you hope in? Who do you trust in? Your personal relationship. This is all on you. Jesus is standing there with his arms open wide like the prodigal son saying, I'm waiting on you. You can run back to me right now. He's waiting on you to take the step. And I think so many times these days in this house, we typical on doing the salvation prayer. And sometimes we need to sit here so you can actually think about it. Because some of you have not left Christ, but some of you need to return. And some of you have never walked with him, but you want to know more. And God is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here waiting. I'm right here. All you have to do is take the next step. So with your eyes closed and what you're thinking about your personal salvation, your personal walk with Christ, your personal lack thereof walk with Christ, or your personal confusion about the whole thing. This is a moment that you can surrender. It's not too late. As Aaron said earlier, it's not too late. You still have a chance. If you're living and breathing and sitting in this room today, you still have a chance. It's people dying all around us. And some of us don't know where they went. Some of us confused about the whole process. But God say, I'm right here. 
I'm right here and I'm giving you this opportunity. Don't let it be said too late. I know this is different and I know you might be like, I'm hungry, but the devil is a lie because God has a work to do in somebody hard. If my prayer partners will make it up to, to the front right now. I just feel that somebody wants to know more. Somebody needs to know more. And somebody know that they have fell off. That they are lacking in their relationship with Christ. That they're not where they need to be at. And I know in this day and time, I grew up in a church where they would call your name out and be like, come up here. But I would not do that. But I want God to work in your heart as you sit where you are today. And if it's a tugging, a pulling, a teardrop, we have people standing up here willing to pray with you. But I'm going to take us through the salvation prayer. The church, we know how, you know how we do it. We repeat it together so that the person that's saying it for the first time or for the first real time can say it with confidence, with joy, with happiness, and boldness. Just repeat after me, God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. All that I am is yours. I surrender to you today, and I want to start a relationship with you today. Amen. Give a clap offering for those that said that for the first time. If that's you and you know that you need somebody to connect with with prayer, husbands and wives, single people, kids, and you know you need more or you need to touch and agree with somebody so they can just pray with you. The prayer partners are here for you to connect with. You can come up now. You don't have to wait for a special time, but you can come up right now. It's not that we have it all together and that we're perfect, but I truly believe that it's somebody in here that needs to connect. Because so many times we leave out of here with that prayer and we say, I did it, but it's nothing further. And God wants your heart. He wants total surrender. He wants you to totally surrender to him that you can prioritize him in your life as being the head, the head of your marriage. If we see him where he's supposed to be, the head of your marriage, your marriage will get better. If we see him where we're supposed to see him, your relationships with friends will get better. If we put him where he's supposed to be at, your schoolwork might get better. We have to put him where he belongs, and that's at the front, the head, the beginning. And some of us are lacking. Some of us are not putting him where he belongs. I'm pleading with y'all because it's bigger than just me, y'all. It's an eternal life out there somewhere that you will face one day. And if we're not prepared, it's not shame on me. It's shame on you because you've been told. God has given you opportunity. God wants your heart. He wants that personal relationship with you. He wants that personal relationship with me so he can create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit. So they will be up here. 
at the the end of the service as well. I'm going to walk back up. I I just want to say my heart is always about salvation and about people. Not about being on a platform, but if you catch me off this platform, this is how I am. I love people. I love souls to be saved and transformed and renewed. If I could spend the whole service doing this, I would do this and not give you nothing else. Because this is the important part. This is the part that you could be late to church, but make it here. It's important. But I'm going to let you, I'm going to leave with this. If you could stand to your feet and we're going to dismiss. The prayer partners are going to be here. And if you want prayer, receive it from them. They're capable and willing. If you'll close your eyes with me. God, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for Church on the Rock. I thank you for this platform, God. I thank you for your people, for the willing vessels, God. I thank you for just having another day to be able to live, breathe, and see my family and friends, Lord. I ask you to just touch the heart of your people, Lord Jesus, that you know needs you. Reach them where they are. Because they don't have to receive you in this house as long as they receive you in their house, in their heart. God, I ask you to just be with them, deal with them, walk with them. Let them feel your love. Let them see your love, God, that they can experience it and know that it's no other love like yours that you're jealous for them, that you love them so much you sent your own son to be killed and beaten and crucified on a cross for us. God, let us leave this place knowing that you love us more than anybody else could. God, I love you and I thank you, God, and bless this day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Love you, church.